So Money, episode 595, Akshay Nanavati, author of Fearvana. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Can you imagine going from fighting drug addiction, alcoholism, then PTSD post-war, and now writing a book where the Dalai Lama writes the foreword? That's our guest today, Akshay Nanavati. He aspires to live a limitless lifestyle And we can too, apparently. His book is coming out this fall, but he's joining us now as we celebrate Independence Week. This is a man who has found his own freedom. His book is called Fearvana, the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. And as I said, the Dalai Lama has given a special nod to this book, calling it an inspiration, inspires us to look beyond our own agonizing experiences and find the positive side of our lives. To call Akshay's story inspiring is an understatement. He is someone who overcame a drug addiction, alcoholism, and PTSD from fighting the war in Iraq. He's combined his life experiences with years of research in science and spirituality, which has now led him to this book, Fearvana. And in our conversation, we discuss how he combated drug abuse and alcoholism as a young kid. He was just a teenager. How he convinced the Marines to let him in despite having a health setback. And how did he get the Dalai Lama to write the foreword to his book? Those details and more. Here we go. Here's Akshay Nanavati. Akshay Nanavati, welcome to So Money. Oh my gosh. So many questions for you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. Pleasure to be here. You have such an incredible journey. Your new book is going to be out soon. It's called Fearvana, the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. The book is very autobiographical, but also um, prescriptive for anybody out there. And let's be honest, all of us have fears, right? Your journey starts with you at a very young age struggling with drug addiction and alcoholism. Let's start there. You know, what got you to that low point at such a young age? You know, when I was young, we moved around a lot. I moved from Bombay to Bangalore to, to Singapore, then to Austin, Texas at 13. And uh, I guess I was very lost, not sure if, you know, who I was, who I wanted to be. And not that I can sort of blame my friends because I take full responsibility for my behavior, but Ultimately, I sort of got into an environment where that started, and I tend to be a very addictive, extreme type personality. So I started, you know, once I got into marijuana, I was the first person in the group that then started taking the harder drugs. And, uh, and you know, I was heading down a bad path. I lost two friends to that lifestyle. They OD'd, and I too was, you know, that, that easily could have been me because, like I said, I was, the, I was in the phase where I've done any – I would have done any drug that came my way, which was not healthy, of course. <laughs> And you decided to stop at one point. How did you get to that place? So actually the movie, have you seen the movie Black Hawk Down? I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't, only because I'm Uh, not that great with war movies and violence, but I I I really should see it. (laughs) 
No, no, I totally get it and I understand. But actually, that movie kind of triggered something in me because, you know, it's a, it's a movie based on a true story. And so we're just watching the courage of these men sacrificing their lives for their fellow human beings kind of made me question the life I was leading and made me wonder, would I be able to do the same thing? And I still remember after watching the, watching the movie, I then read the book and then I read book after book after book on military and combat and pretty much decided right then and there to stop doing drugs and decided to join the Marines. <laughs> and you did. And, and tell us about that experience and what contributions that journey gave to Fearvana ultimately. So when I first joined the Marines, two doctors actually told me that Marine Corps boot camp would kill me because of a blood disorder I was born with. So that made me a little nervous to say the least. And you discovered this blood disorder right then and there or you always knew about it? I knew about it, but I had never like kind of come up as an issue because, you know, I never, I never thought about it. Uh, I never was really physically active uh, in my drug phase. So it never really showed up as an issue, but it went, and it's actually disqualifying that blood disorder is called thalassemia. So it's disqualifying from the Marines. So I actually had to sort of fight my way in to get into the Marines. It took me about a year and a half just to get in. How did you do that? And, How did you convince the Marines to let you in with the, <laughs> a non-negotiable blood disorder? Yeah. Right. I actually had to go to multiple doctors. So the first two told me that, you know, I could and I just kept you know, went to a third one. They got gave me a letter of approval, and this was also a post nine eleven world. And I was signing up for infantry, so to some degree they they needed bodies, and especially especially someone who's mm. you know dying and volunteering to go. So it would have been a lot harder, I think, had I gone had I been doing the same thing today. But in post nine eleven, it was a little easier to kind of fight my way in, and and I was going infantry, so you know they <laughs> they needed me to some degree, I think. That's true. That's true. And then yeah. and then afterwards, you were diagnosed with PT. PTSD, which is something that you actually, again, fought. Yeah. You know, when I came back from Iraq, it was it was hard. Uh, I, I kept volunteering to go back to Iraq or go to Afghanistan. I was really struggling with life in the uh, quote unquote normal world. And so I, 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 you know, I just wanted to go back. And, and then I got diagnosed with the Veteran Affairs Administration. And that once again led me to alcohol and to the point where I started drinking so much that, you know, I got to a moment where I thought I'm going to, there's no point kind of going on. And I even considered the, uh, the unthinkable. And uh, that moment is when I realized something needed to change. So that's when I started, you know, researching neuroscience, psychology to kind of heal my own brain and also figure out what it takes to live a happy and meaningful life. And through all these experiences combined with the research is what ultimately led me to this concept and this idea of fearvana. You know, in hearing your story, it sounds like you are a person of extremes, to say the least, <laughs> right? I mean, to, for, for, you literally went to the edge more than once in your life with drugs and alcohol, somehow mm -hmm. found a way you were personally motivated enough to say, I don't want this and then change course, which not many people can say that's happened to them, not just once, but twice. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting journey for sure. And even, you know, and I think now I've learned to channel that extreme, that addictive personality into something meaningful. So, I mean, now I run ultra marathons, I climb mountains, and I've just realized instead of sort of battling those forces is just to kind of embrace that part of me and really just channel into something meaningful. I mean, that same, that same attitude was what allowed me to write a book, allowed me to build a business, allowed me to, you know, run, uh, <laughs> run uh, marathons, run across countries in the world. So it's just kind of learning to embrace the same forces that led me into the dark places because I think our demons can be our greatest allies when we harness them. Is that what Fearvana really is about, is harnessing those demons and putting them to work in, in a positive way? 
Yeah, it, very much so. Because, you know, this, the word fear itself, it's not a positive word. When people say the word, they don't think of it as a quote-unquote positive emotion. And I think that was that's a mistake. I mean, throughout my experiences in life, everything worthy has been terrifying at first, including writing a book on fear, which was absolutely terrifying. So uh, so fear, the idea of fear of honest to help people reframe these negative, so-called negative emotions and channel them into something meaningful. So I actually define the word itself as a state of bliss that results from engaging our fears to pursue our own worthy struggle. And I think we all have that worthy struggle for us. It can be, you know, raising a child, running a marathon, playing chess, making movies, whatever it may be, pursuing that worthy struggle, taking on the fears that inevitably show up on that journey and really harnessing them. You know, like Sir Richard Branson says that fear is fuel. It's an, it's important not to fear fear. I always say too, with your finances, flirt with the fear, you know, imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have money, if you didn't have savings, if you did lose your job without a safety net. And actually imagine the reality of that predicament. And sometimes that is enough to shake people up, wake them up and get them to do the right thing, start taking the right steps to avoid that potential life ever happening. The Dalai Lama read your book and liked your book. How do you get the Dalai Lama to give you a blurb? (laughs) Yeah, that was obviously, as you can imagine, just a huge honor and very humbling to get a forward from him. Do you just email Uh, him? Like, how does it work? It took sort of months of work. I mean, first I managed to, first I emailed a cold email on his uh, website that got me nowhere. And then through some research, I found uh, an email contact for somebody in his office. And then three people later, I actually connected to the right person and I shot a video for his holiness. I I wrote him a letter. I was very kind of real about what we're trying to do with the book, the impact we're trying to make. I was very vulnerable about sharing my own struggles. And so eventually, you know, after sort of months of just kind of following up and, and just sharing, you know, as I mentioned to them that we're giving all the proceeds in the book to charity. So I think all of those kind of touched the, the, you know, connected with the person I was speaking with in the office. And eventually he wrote to me saying, you know, considering that you just, you have this, uh, you know, with all the struggles you've been through and your genuine desire to serve, uh, I will fight your case. And when he said, I will press your case, I think he said, I'll I'll press your case. And so when that happened, I felt pretty good. And a week later I got the forward from his holiness. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so was that the first endorsement or had you already won some praise from other prominent people? I have been blessed with many uh, noteworthy endorsements. Uh, so the, the Dalai Lama's was not the first. I got some endorsements from Seth Godin, from Jack Canfield, from Marshall Goldsmith, uh, Marcy Shimoff, you know, so many people who are multiple New York Times bestselling authors. And I've been really fortunate to have gotten some pretty, pretty good endorsements for the book so far. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, you're on the right track. I mean, the book hasn't even come out yet, and I'm sure it's hitting those uh, top charts on Amazon. So tell me, let's let's. This is a show about money, and mm-hmm. as I already <laughs> mentioned, we all have our trepidation sometimes with our yep. finances. Tell us if you have one. What is your financial philosophy? Do you have a money mantra? Yeah, it it really relates to kind of everything. Uh, uh, this, this mantra, and I love the way you said what you said. You know, to look at what things go wrong, and I actually so. I'll tie it into uh, uh, the the story behind this mantra real quick. So before I went to Iraq, I lost a very close friend of mine to the war, and we were in the same unit. We had uh, volunteered to go out there together all the time, and one summer while I was vacationing in India, he ended up finding a unit to go with, and uh, he never came back. And so I always felt like if it wasn't for me, you know, having fun or vacationing in India, I would have gone with him. And it should have been me that took that was in his chair, and he could have come home to his fiance. 
So for a long time, that guilt tore into me and, uh, you know, led me to those dark places. But now I've learned to channel it. So I have on the front cover of my sort of training log, I have his picture with me and it says, this should have been you earn this life. And I think this really applies to my financial philosophy as well, is that now it's kind of my responsibility that I truly, you know, that guilt hasn't gone away, but I've now learned to channel it saying that since I am still alive, let me do something meaningful with this life. Let me earn it. Let me give back. And so I look at money from the same way is that it's my responsibility to, to, to make some to, and ultimately to use it in service because I, you know, in some ways I don't maybe I, I kind of emotionally feel that I don't deserve to be here. So let me earn this life now. And it's a, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but I've learned to channel that guilt. And I think it, it keeps me sober. It keeps me focused and it drives me into good places today. I like that. It's almost uh, an immigrant mentality too. I feel like for me, my parents sacrificed so much to come here and yeah. I really, you know, almost it, to pay homage to them. It's like, I can't screw up. Okay. (laughs) They risked a lot to come here and it is my responsibility now to make sure that their legacy lives on in a positive way. So I can't run into debt. I can't, you know, break the law. I can't, you know, I want to be, I want to do good for no other reason to make them proud and to make sure that their light keeps shining. You are in touch still with your family? how, How is it working now with your family? Yeah, very much so. I'm actually speaking to you from India. I'm at my parents' house in Bangalore. Uh, so I'm building out some projects here in India. So I come very, very often to be very close with my family. My wife's from India as well. So she's so her family's in Chennai. So we're here pretty pretty often, go back and forth between India and the US. What do they think about your journey? Do they know that you had a, a problem with drugs? And do they know that you had a lot of these very dark moments? Did you involve them? Did you ask for their help? No, they didn't actually know about it till uh, I mean when I did get caught smoking marijuana in school but obviously at the at the time I lied to my parents about the extent of what you know how how much I was involved in drugs but now they know everything. I mean, I've put my mom and dad through a lot of hell. I've been a nightmare of a child to them for sure. But uh <laughs> you're making up I, for it now, I think. Exactly. I think they're now proud of what it's made me today. And you know, when I share this story when it makes an impact, uh that's 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 really what it's all about, right? So I think they're proud of it now, but it's definitely not been easy. <laughs> no. on them for sure. Um, somebody <laughs> told me that they gave their dad a Father's Day card that said something like, Dear Dad, all these years of being your son, you should really thank me because you don't know half the stuff that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if I had told you, I think you would have had a heart attack by now. <laughs> t- yeah, t- I, I can I can relate to that. I always tell my mom that I did this for you to make you stronger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, first eight years in India, in Bombay and Bangalore, and then Singapore for five years, and then moved to Austin, Texas at 13, and kind of been all over in the U.S. since there. Austin, uh, Minneapolis, Syracuse, New York, and then a few places with the Marines. all over. Are you a military child as well? No, no. No, no, we we moved around a lot because my my dad was with 3M. He did his whole career, 27 years with 3M. So we just kind of moved around from uh, as a result of his job. Post-its. Exactly. Love the post- he invented post-its. No, <laughs> do you know what I'm referencing? Of course, of course. He's yeah. always called like at my wedding. So the people called him. Hey, there's the post-it guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what was that upbringing like in terms of your understanding of money? Did you ever have any it- crazy lessons about money growing up? Yeah, you know, my so when my dad started his career with 3M, I mean, in the end, you know, he's been very successful, but earlier on, he was not so. And he was early in his career. And there's a story which I've been told, and I've 
kind of vaguely remember that when we were five years old, we had just moved to Bangalore. And, uh, you know, my parents at that time, they, we didn't have a television and our neighbor was kind of mean. So for whatever reason, wouldn't let me and my brother go watch this TV show we wanted to watch. And so my dad went out and sort of asked for an advance for his from his work so he could buy a TV so we could watch the show. And it always kind of, you know, hearing that story and the vague memory I have of it is that I've never been had to struggle. My parents gave me a great life. I had great parents. It pushed me, you know, all the dark places I've been was a result of my own choices, but they gave me a great life. And um, so I've never felt the pinch of money, but that story makes me, makes me kind of realize that the, that, you know, the value of it and the need for it, it is important to have it and to kind of shape a positive relationship with money. Cause you know, as I'm sure considering what you do, you've probably heard people say that money is the root of all evil and this kind of negative relationship to money, but really money is an access point to do something meaningful for those you care about. Like my dad did for us. And, uh, and now I want to do for my wife or my family for the, you know, the greater human family as well. You're motivated by money, it sounds, and that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, and again, for a long time, when I when I was struggling with this guilt stuff, it was it was money. Everything was in a bad place because I felt like I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to be happy. But now I learned to channel it, saying that you know I do. I have this resp- the responsibility to be successful, so I can give back. You know, so not to say you have to have a ton of money to give back. Obviously, you don't. But but so but you can do more, right? When you have when you have it. So that's kind of now it's that burden or gift of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure throughout your life, as you have fall and then you rise from the ashes and (laughs) financially has there ever been a moment where you really hit rock bottom I wouldn't say rock a bottom in the sense because you know we but but I did have this moment so when when uh, I had a corporate job for a year and a half and I knew I wanted to quit I always knew that I would you know not like not want to uh, stay in a corporate job and start my own business so I started doing some some day trading on the side and uh, and I would you know kind of like essentially to generate some quick, you know, dollars here and there. And eventually it led to, I mean, I must've lost about $15,000 doing that. Eventually at first it was going well. And I realized that I got carried away looking for quick wins, you know, because I wanted more money. I wanted it rapidly. And I, and that's when I kind of reframed and realized that nothing, I think nothing worthy in life happens quick and easy. It takes work, but the struggle is a beautiful thing. It's like the same reason why I like running marathons or even join the Marines. It's the struggle. It's the gift. And I think the same thing applies to making money because it's not just about the money. It's the person you become in the process of making money. So when I lost all that money, I immediately stopped doing the day trading. I kind of reframed and it was, uh, it was hard for sure. It was like shocking that I put myself in that position. Uh, but, <laughs> but it taught me a lot as, as those moments do. Yeah. And hearing you describe what motivates you, it sounds like you want to do right by others. And though at the same time, and I'm just reading part of your journal here on Chris Gilbo's website. He interviewed you and he's been a guest yeah. on this show. Yeah, he's awesome. That, <laughs> yeah, that you really like to surround yourself with supportive people that you mentioned one of the, I should tell the audience, you know, you made a, a point to travel to every single country. And part of your journey, you said, was kind of lonely because there wasn't this cheering on throughout the the whole experience. Um, mm-hmm. what, so does that motivate you? Does that motivate you to know that you're, that, that people are, are, are watching you, looking at you going, keep going. You're doing great. We, we appreciate you. We value you. I think it's, it, yeah, I think it's a huge one. I mean, just last week, actually, I spoke at IIT, uh, which is kind of like India's version of Harvard. And right after the talk, 
this kid came up to me and said that like in India actually has the highest student suicide rate in the world, which is wow. scary, right? It's yeah, it's shocking. And so this kid came up to me and said, you know, I was just last week I was crying and I was so stressed out, and your talk was exactly what I needed to hear because I talk a lot about embracing stress and fear, and uh, and when when you make that impact, you know, that's that couldn't be more meaningful. That's what drives you, and that's what is a reminder because I still go through dark moments. I still have triggers where sometimes an urge to drink will show up, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and those dark moments are there. The demons are still there. But when I have those kind of moments of knowing that you're making a difference, it uh, it reminds me of why I need to stay focused uh, on why I need to stay focused on, you know, my work and, and everything else I'm doing. Is there anything it's, you do daily or, or more, more regularly to, as you say, you know, fight the demons, stay focused? One of my, so my greatest fear today is stillness. And so what I am now doing is engaging that fear to understand those, uh, to ultimately understand my demons, embrace them and channel them into something meaningful. So this just, this doesn't just mean meditation. It also means actually say, you're not a good meditator, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a struggle. So that's one thing I'm working on. But one other thing I actually do, and I learned this from an endurance cyclist friend of mine is I'll actually sit there staring at a wall, so no TV, no music, not even a painting, so no stimuli at all, and just sit there staring at the wall and seeing where your mind goes. So not my eyes closed, my eyes are open. And he does this, the friend, a friend of mine does this for up, up to 24 hours, and then he'll go riding for 24 hours. I can't do it for 24 hours yet. I think I'll lose my mind. No way. So I'm slow. What are you <laughs> rushing? Slow- are you pledging a fraternity? Up. Like that's the only reason they ever. <laughs> right? That's hazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's and Marines, we always used to say, haze yourself. So I do these like self hazing exercises <laughs> to uh, to embrace stillness and actually engage my demons to sit there, like literally. And I don't. I do this about once a week. I'm trying to go up in 15 minutes a, a week. So like you know, I'm, I can do it for an hour and a half. And uh, and it's brutally hard, but it really forces you to delve into yourself in a whole different way. And it's and there's beauty in that. But I like I said, anything worthwhile, I think is challenging. So this is very very hard for me, and uh, that's why I'm doing it. Is it? What do you? <laughs> think it is i mean did you are you just afraid to be alone with your thoughts i have a friend who says that she's like i can't i'm a, she's an insomniac because like the, the the process of trying to fall asleep she says requires like stillness and her mind is just kind of moving freely and she hates that because like sometimes she thinks about terrible things you know or like you know you're nervous wreck you're always thinking about worst case scenarios um she hates being alone with her thoughts as she says yeah, I can very much relate to your friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's, is it anxiety? It's, what is it? I'm not, you know, I think that, I guess the, the the idea of that loneliness, it's still, I'm still kind of figuring this out. It's recently that, that I've explored this fear of stillness. And, uh, and I guess, you know, like when I, for example, when I skied across Greenland, you know, we would, we would, uh, we would be skiing for up to 12 hours a day and you're really skiing into an empty white landscape. So your mind goes all, all kinds of places and there's beauty in that, but, but it's, it's challenging because, you know, you get to, you, you will experience low moments. Suddenly I remember thinking about this friend of mine that I told you and just crying. Other moments I'll be at like top of the world and just blissful. Other moments you're so at peace. You're kind of in flow. You're not even thinking about past, present. You're just fully present. So I think the challenge in these moments is you get to experience the entire microcosm of life. I mean, the entire spectrum of the human experience in this one moment, right? And there's beauty in that, but that's also really challenging because you get to, you get, you have to face all your thoughts. And, and we live in a world that's constantly running away from ourselves, whether we do it through phones, through televisions. I mean, I'll, I'll fly and I'll see people just staring at their phones, like every two minutes opening their phone just to like, you know, look through something and then shut it off again. And we're running away from ourselves so often. And there's, so that's why it's challenging to just be with it. And, and I guess I still have, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those, uh, my addictive personalities. So, so all that stuff comes up, but, uh, but I think the more you, you engage those moments, 
experience, the more you engage those demons, the more you can grow from them. You know, mm-hmm. I think challenging experiences lead to our growth. So <laughs> that's it's why it's true. That's I mean, scary. what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that's where are you stuff. now? Like, what? Wh- I know you're in India right now, but where's home? Home is New Jersey. So that's where my of main course, base. I go, the I most- go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> You're like this world traveler. You can't stand still and you pick Jersey as your, Jersey. <laughs> as your residence. I know. Crazy, right? We actually, my wife has family there. So when I'm off like running across the world or climbing mountains, she at least has family. That was, that's what would had us choose New Jersey uh, initially. And, you know, down the road, I think California might be in the cards, but we'll see where it all goes. <laughs> all right. So Fearvana comes out in, later this, I guess, uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yep. you're in pre-sales right now. What's your hope for this book? Do you want to create a movement? Do you want to just inspire people? Like what would be the ultimate result from someone reading this book? And do you want to like be on Oprah's list? Like what's what's your wish and dream? Definitely. You know, I want it to go far, far and wide. Uh, we're, as, you know, I'd love to hit the New York Times list, of course. And as I said, we're giving away all the proceeds for charity. So I'd love to raise a lot of money for charity. Uh, I want this book to be the, definitely a start of a movement. So Fearvana is going to expand into multiple things. As I think I mentioned, I'm, I'm in India working on a project. We're building out what I call Fearvana Academy. So sort of like what Sir Richard Branson is to Virgin, I want to be to Fearvana. So we're going to create like Fearvana Fitness, Fearvana Academy, Fearvana Festivals. And essentially, it'll be like these different verticals, but all under the umbrella category of uh, enhancing well-being and looking at improving the quality of our lives. So I've also started a Fearvana Foundation, the nonprofit arm. And so th- this book is, you know, is the intended to be the start of this movement to really bring uh, this concept of Fearvana to more people and ultimately look at progress from a way of not just making our lives easier, which is I think what we're currently seem to be doing on a global scale is how we define progress as the next thing to make our lives easier, but really how do we make our lives better? And I right. think that means the opposite of making our lives easier because I think struggle is a good thing <laughs> when it's a worthy struggle. I agree. Now, in the run-up to writing this book, uh, do you coach people one-on-one? Yep. I, that's been mostly, pretty much the entire business has been co- coaching one-on-one. Now with the book launch, uh, I'm, I'm going to be building out digital information products. I love public speaking, so getting more into speaking and then building out these various uh, Fearvana arms as well that will be that will kind of take on their own um, – world in in terms of business and income as well. So Fearvana Academy is the next immediate one. Before we leave, let's do some fun so money fill in the blanks. So I can kind of (laughs) capture your train of thought wherever you happen to be in this current state of mind. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is I would invest it in building out Fearvana Academy. That would be number one. (laughs) All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is is uh, better financial planning and tracking. I used to spend every dollar I had before I even had it. So <laughs> better planning, I guess, financial planning. Mm-hmm. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is? Education. So like books, uh, I spend a lot of money on books. I read a lot of books and, and online courses and stuff like that. That really helps me. One splurge item that I have that I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but here we go, is? <laughs> my, my splurge item is definitely outdoor gear. I get way carried away with that and spend a lot more money than I should on it. <laughs> you traveled all over the world. Tell us what country you liked the most or the country that blew you away the most. Uh, the ones that kind of stand out recently is New Zealand and South Africa. Those two stand out in top of my head. Why is that? 
I loved uh, New Zealand's like just like a mecca for outdoor sports. You know, I mean, you can do everything. In South Africa, it was really awesome seeing the safari. Uh, I loved Cape Town. We did the cage diving with great white sharks out there as well. So I just, I, I again, being in nature, it was beautiful to experience that. So actually, eventually, I want to run from Cairo to Cape Town, and uh, I'm really oh excited gosh. and super nervous about that. Even poss- about that possibility. <laughs> I'm training for a half marathon, but you make me sound like I'm such a wimp. <laughs> no, no, like, I'm going to run across the globe, and I'm here like. <laughs> I'm going to do 13 miles without killing myself. Um, any advice? I mean, just to enjoy the, enjoy the struggle. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did treadmill, right? I, I definitely didn't, I definitely didn't start off being able to run like this. I used to hate long distance running. I was like a sprinter in uh, younger days. So just, uh, you know, I think run in beautiful places and enjoy it and, uh, try to find some play in that journey for sure, because mm. running can be miserable. <laughs> yeah, it can be. It's the Brooklyn half marathon. So oh, I need nice. to start running in Brooklyn right now. I'm just restricted to a treadmill, but I'm going to start running outdoors more. Yeah, I love love being outside personally. <laughs> and last but not least, I'm Akshay Nanavati. I'm so money because... I'm so money because I like to look at every day as an opportunity where I get to battle myself and face the moment whether I want to ask myself whether I want to quit or not. And I think those moments are beautiful. Such a survivor. My gosh, this book, <laughs> if it doesn't take you to stardom, then we then no one should ever write a book. It's, it's, it's all for nothing. <laughs> Truly, I see big things in your future and I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I know that you have a special link for our listeners. If we want to learn more about you and the book, go to Fearvana dot com slash so money yeah perfect and thank you for having me on this show for an issue it's been a real pleasure thanks so much to akshay for stopping by again if you'd like to learn more check out fearvana.com slash so money and if you missed any of this you want to download the transcript download the audio leave a question for me for the friday episodes of ask farnoosh there's a one-stop shop. Go to somoneypodcast.com and it's all there for free. Remember Fridays, it's my turn to answer your questions. So don't be shy. Let me know what's on your money mind. If you have a question about money, career, life, if you'd like to maybe be a co-host for the Friday episodes, as now I have some uh, listeners joining me, sharing the stage, let me know there too. I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July and I hope your day is so money. So money.